Welcome to the Roadrunner Exchange, a podcast featuring candid conversations about leadership, decision-making, and higher education with Dr. Janine Davidson, President of Metropolitan State University of Denver. I am your host, Dr. Samuel J., Associate Professor of Communication Studies and Presidential Faculty Fellow here at MSU Denver. On this week's show, Dr. Davidson and I discussed new mask and social distancing guidance here at MSU Denver and talked a little bit about what can be expected this summer and the fall. Hope you'll enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. discuss and have him talk about things. But today, um, knowing that this podcast is going to be released just a couple days after folks come back to campus, students and faculty specifically, um, those who are teaching in the May semester and taking classes in the May semester, wanted to just recap a couple of things, uh, the mask and the social distancing guidance, as well as uh, to get into exemptions and what's going to happen there. But I wanted to uh, ask you first, what are we doing with masks? What are we doing with social distancing? Sure. Well, um, you know, this has been a wild ride we've all been on, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we've been trying to tack to whatever the state, the city, the CDC. And so right now, where we are, and you're the one that sits on the uh, Roadrunner Safe Return Committee, is um, tacking to the latest guidance that the CDC came out with, which says um, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Do you feel like that that's... Uh... Is that a responsibility that a public institution has, not of higher ed per se, mm-hmm. but if we are going to, let's get philosophical, um, trust our governmental leaders, is it a responsibility for a place like MSU Denver or, or even a, a, a small business to tack to that kind of guidance? I mean, what's, what's your philosophical approach I mean, I to that? I think we all struggle with this as, as leaders and, you know, I'm not a public health expert, but, you know, the people that we talk to that are in that field, it, you're trying to keep the most people safe. And, but at the end of the day, um, I can't keep you safe, you can't keep me safe from myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so a global pandemic was different. I mean, this time last year we were all struggling with, you know, what's the role of government here? Yeah. Um, and you saw some countries, like Australia, where my husband's from, totally lock things down. They locked down the borders, they, you know, and pretty soon they got their freedoms back, you know, where they were like this isolated little bubble. People in America would probably not have put up with the level of closure, you know, and shutdown that that they did right up front. I just want to kind of plug into your, your background again a little bit. Could we make the argument that public health here in the United States as a citizen, has not necessarily been public health as much as has been international health. And what I mean by that is the CDC has served a purpose for us as citizens. But the CDC has also helped with things like the Ebola outbreak in Africa. And I think that that's the coverage that we're used to, right? That's the framing that we're used yeah. to. And has that sucked the resources out of public health that actually impact us? What do you mean suck the resources out? Like the financial resources. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like is, is all of the focus on preventing um, outbreaks in other countries? And no, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I mean, again, I'm not a public health expert. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the CDC, the, that would be like the WHO. Okay. Um, and I'm not, again, I'm not an expert, but there's, there's all kinds of politics associated with that. 
Um, I mean, global pandemics, it, that's the issue, is how fast these things spread because of the global transportation network. And that, that's why it was so scary, because you can only protect yourself so much without shutting things down. And I, I really feel for the people that were trying to put this guidance out. And, you know, the remember, like, this time last year, you know, maybe 14 months ago, the first, I remember the first little city there was a little town in New York mm -hmm. that quarantined. We were like, what? Yeah. Can the government tell you you can't leave your house? Yeah. <laughs> and now, you know, mm -hmm. we were like shocked because this is America, you know. And then you saw the politics play out all year long and da-da-da-da. And then poor little us sitting here in this campus, you know, what do we tell people that work here? What do we, you know. And so we partnered, obviously, with all the other institutions of higher ed, with um, the public health experts in the city and the state. Um, and just tried to do the safest thing. <laughs> and now we're in a very different place mm -hmm. where people are being told they could take their mask off and they're kind of like afraid to do it. So no masks required on campus if you're vaccinated, no social distancing if you're vaccinated. Those who are not are encouraged to continue wearing their mask and space themselves out where possible. What am I missing? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're missing anything. I think it's just hard for people to get their head around. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, um, you know, when we first put the mask on, I felt kind of weird wearing a mask. Yeah. And then when we when I got vaccinated and and it, and it became clear that pe the CDC and the health experts say you're pretty darn well protected if you're vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So if you're not vaccinated, Sam, mm -hmm. and I am, I feel still pretty comfortable that, you know, I'll be protected. Yeah. I worry about you because I care about you. Yeah. Like that's kind of the dynamic I think that they that they are talking about now. It's interesting. It's we uncomfortable. Want, we want yeah, go ahead, sir. Well, because we just went through this whole year where we were told all these ways to like basically bubble wrap ourselves mm -hmm. and be completely safe. And now we're being told, okay, we, the government, have given you all the tools you need to be as safe as you possibly can and healthy. We, we developed a vaccine, we gave it to you for free, we tested the bejesus out of it, we know, we feel, we feel massively confident that it will keep you safe. If you choose not to vaccinate it, like, oh, my work is done here now. Yeah. And as a government, and Governor Polis actually said that. Mm -hmm. He said, I think we are entering a phase of individual responsibility. We are at the limit of what government can do. And what, the government worries about, I mean, they worry about individuals doing things that are going to get them sick or killed, but they don't tell you you can't do that unless it gets to the point where it overwhelms the system. And that's what a pandemic is, overwhelms the hospitals. Mm -hmm. So they shut, that's when they tell you to stay home. They've got no sort of rationale or leverage to do that anymore. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the frustration and the beauty of a free society, I suppose, right? Yeah. You can't tattoo somebody with a vaccine symbol saying that they got it. Right. We can't have it all. We but can't, what do you mean? We can't have it all. Can't have. You can't. What's the, what's can't the best have way? freedoms. You can't have the freedoms and. Mm. Also feel safe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't be free and be dictated and, and, and have an authoritarian government right, telling you what to do. You can't have both. No. 
It's chaos. personal responsibility, right? I mean, personal responsibility. That's, somebody brought this up today. Yeah. What if we thought of it as you can take your mask off if you wanted? I thought that's, that's good. Like that word, that can, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, guidelines have to be clear. There can't be any gray area. You got to have this. You know, hey, you, but the, the informed can. risk, right? Yeah. Here is what we're all telling you. Here's what we've been told. And if you feel comfortable enough to take your mask off, that's fine. If you don't, that's fine too. What was going through your head, as well as other senior leaders in conversation, in the days after the CDC, the state of Colorado, and the city of Denver issued their guidance, and then I think it was about 48 hours, 36 to 40 hours, that, that you know, MSU Denver waited it a little bit. What, what, what were yeah. you thinking about? Well, we were having lots of conversations. It was kind of like gaming it out. Mm-hmm. We were sort of like, well, does this, what, hey, what, hey, like, what, you know, yeah. what does this do to the guidance that we just gave? Does it make it OBE, mm-hmm. overtaken by events, <laughs> which is your favorite new Yes, acronym. yes. <laughs> it's sort of like, wait a second. If the CDC says that if you are wearing a mask, you are safe from people who are, who are if you are vaccinated, if you are vaccinated, you are safe from people who are not vaccinated, then why does anybody have to wear a mask? Wait a second. Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, okay. So where's the risk? Mm-hmm. The risk is now unvaccinated people getting other unvaccinated people the virus. So then you sit there and go, well, okay, what's, what is our responsibility to protect them from each other? That's where the CDC and the government came down to. And mm-hmm. they basically were like, we've got enough people that are vaccinated to, to not overwhelm the system. We are highly encouraging everybody to get vaccinated. Over to you. <laughs> it's kind of this, I would assume that we're going to look back on this as, as rhetorical scholars, linguists, and study the messaging around the CDC's guidance throughout the last 14 months. But I think what's interesting huh. is, is, you know, the CDC made that announcement on that Thursday. Immediately, it got taken up, right, spread out. I think we lost the yeah, intent the of what this, yeah, State. I, I, I think the, I think, I think in the discourse surrounding that announcement, not the announcement itself, right, but the relational discourse around it, mm-hmm. we forgot about intent. And the reason why I say that is nothing really began to click, I think, for me, but for a lot of my colleagues, until folks like Steve Monaco said, the CDC has announced that this vaccine is more, these vaccines are more effective than we had originally thought. Right. And they're effective at not spreading the virus. That was the key turning point. Right. right. But, but that, that initial story, that wasn't in the initial story. No, that's right. Because there were two phases. Remember, the first phase was, hey, if everybody in the room or if 80% of the people in the room mm-hmm. are vaccinated, you can take your mask mm-hmm. off. And that launched a, a couple weeks process where we at MSU <laughs> were really pushing back on the city of Denver because mm-hmm. the city of Denver was still not comfortable saying that that was okay, mm-hmm. which meant that we at MSU Denver could not have our board meeting without masks and in person, even though every board member had been vaccinated and they all wanted to meet. So yeah. we got to the edge of conflict there where we were basically saying, look, you have to at least go as far as the CDC says that you can. Otherwise, people are going to say, why bother getting the vaccine? You don't even get your freedoms back. Yeah. And then 
they changed the rule. They said it was okay, literally the morning of our board meeting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then like a week later, they went another step farther. The CDC went another step yeah. farther and said, yeah, you know what, Even, it doesn't matter. We, last week we said everybody in, the same, everybody in the room had to be vaccinated. Now we're saying, look, if you're vaccinated, you can take your mask off. That was a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And the city of Denver, to their credit, pivoted immediately. Yeah. Whereas before they were like waiting. Yeah. And this time they were like all in. It's almost as if we chose to, whether it be the city of Denver or the state or us individually, chose to take what we wanted from that CDC guidance. And what I mean by that is mm -hmm. the CDC had, had announced their 80% thing many, many weeks ago. And people kind of forgot that when they made the no mask, you know, if you're vaccinated uh, uh, guidelines. And, oh, my gosh, we're so shocked about this. But if you think about it, they've been edging towards this for a long time. Like, let's not pretend the CDC is ignorant about their communications campaign, quite honestly. You know, once they send it out there, it may get taken up in different ways. But there's somebody That's on staff do. who's doing this. Look, yes, public health experts. Public health is all about marketing mm -hmm. and communications. Yeah. Public health is about keeping the public safe. It's not necessarily, it's about translating that that science and the data into telling people, you know, I don't know, not to run on, you know, at the pool, <laughs> you know, not to drink too much, mm -hmm. not to, to get a lot of sleep, you know. I mean, public health is about marketing. It's yeah. about advertising. So, yeah, you're, it's a really good point. Thanks. They had right. to be clever about their wording yeah. every step of the way. And what we noticed was where people were hesitant, like they wanted to believe the science last year and wear a mask and get vaccinated. Then when the CDC was going into a more positive direction, they were sort of mm, not so sure. But what we said was like, every time they make a statement, they are getting you know, looser in the guidance. Mm -hmm. That says to me <laughs> that this thing is going in the right direction. Could it flip? Yes, it could. Well, they, it's not right now. <laughs> don't you think that they gamed this out too? There were certain numbers of vaccinated people or percentages that would allow them mm -hmm. to open up more and more. I mean, this sure. is, let's not just assume. It's a risk analysis. It is. It yeah, is. It's a total risk analysis. You know, what's the, what's the worst thing that can happen? How many people, you know, da 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 da. The worst thing that can happen is um, we get back to where we were on trending last year where the hospitals are overwhelmed and you have these sort of quasi-apocalyptic scenes coming out of places like New York City, that's what the public health people need to avoid because yeah. they can't handle it. You know, you can handle a certain number of people getting the regular flu every year, mm -hmm. and tragically, many people die from the regular flu every year, but we don't, we don't have this massive lockdown every year and yeah. try to prevent it because we can control it to an extent. To an extent. It, well, it's an, it's an ex, it's a kind of a morbidly acceptable level yeah. of public health. That's what the public health, that's the scary, sad part about public health is that they're making these literally life and death morbid trade-offs. It really kind of shows, or it shines light on the importance of vaccines too. Because you bring, you bring up the flu and the fact that we're okay with 80,000 Americans dying annually of a flu. That's not okay. You know it's what I mean? It's not okay, It's not man. okay. And it's not okay if it ends up being one of your family members. Right, right. Right. Why, so that's the question. Why are we, as a society, okay with that? We're not okay with it morally and emotionally. We're okay with it logistically. Yeah, yeah. Like we can, our hospitals can handle it. 
I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, because that was the tipping point when everything started going crazy last year, when all of a sudden these hospitals were massively overwhelmed. Remember, we at the Auraria campus, we were in conversations and we were in contract negotiations with the state of Colorado to turn our hotel over to um, oh. an ICU overflow. We were planning for worst case scenarios all over the city. Um, what happens if we have massive, massive ICU flooding and you need other beds for other kinds of hospital mm -hmm. beds. We were talking about our gym. We were like, how can we, MSU Denver, do our part? Mm -hmm. It's funny. I mean, it's ironic that you bring that up. Ironic. It's just, it's, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because the fact that none of that happened to the scale that... Uh, they worried th about? Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, right, if you think about how that gets politicized, that this fact that this pandemic isn't as bad as... It's called a counterfactual, I know. Sam. It's I know. It's a counterfactual. I mean, it's you know, a lose-lose. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what that's what contingency planning is about. You, yeah. you contingency plan out the worst-case scenario. Why? So that you can mentally backward plan it, so that you can prevent it. Yeah. So it's ironic. It's like it didn't happen. The dog that didn't bark didn't happen, um, but easily was beginning to happen. Okay, contingency like planner. Then um, does it does a public official have a responsibility to share that? contingency planning or is that better served kept in-house until it has to happen if it happens with anything i, I, I don't uh, sure i mean I, I think i think people do share those mm -hmm. i mean i don't think any of that's a secret unless it's some top secret but should they you know what i mean um, like well, our, our military yeah. planning contingency planning isn't necessarily well, shared military planning isn't necessarily shared for a very obvious reason right yes from what i just said if the plan if the idea is that you have a plan so that you can either you know, counter your enemy or prevent it, then why would you tell your enemy? I know. Okay, but, so that, but in this case, I don't know that people try to hide, hide that. I think, you know, it's just, there are people that sit around and worry about this stuff a lot mm -hmm. and, they're, and that's just their job. Mm -hmm. You know, they think about, dream up all the bad things that can happen. Um, it's out there, mm -hmm. but you know, people don't eat till they're hungry. And it, you know, I never had, you know, most people don't have any reason to dig into the deep, dark details of how you would respond to a global pandemic until it starts to happen. It's just interesting, I guess, to kind of close the loop, as you would say on this, is that contingency planning for our military, we as citizens don't expect to hear those contingency plans, and we understand that national security is the reason why. Right. We have framed something like public health in a different way. Or natural disasters. Or natural disasters. We talk about That's earthquake planning. Yeah. We talk about... Um, you know, we've learned so much um, about hurricane planning since Katrina. Yeah. We have a lot more, I mean, statistically a lot more hurricanes than we used to. Our, our, our societies are more complex than they were in, say, the 1950s. The vast majority of human beings live on the littoral coasts. Mm -hmm. There are people who study this stuff like crazy. Yeah. And um, the National Guard has contingency plans on this and all, you know, all your first responders. Um, I mean, we had that flood in Boulder a few years ago. They called up the National Guard. We have plans for that. Um, that's none of that secret. Yeah. Because it affects your daily life. We also just don't have experience with a pandemic as a society. And so those kinds of, we have plenty of experience with war or with natural disaster. And perhaps that's why this kind of stuff has just taken off and get, gotten used for political reasons in ways that maybe those other know. things don't. Yeah, well, I do, but we won't get into that. Just for another podcast, yeah, a different guest. Exactly, for sure. <laughs> um, what's can you? I mean, as much as you can tell our listeners, what's going on with AHEC and and 
and our sister institutions here in terms of their guidance? Similar, okay. similar. Um, I mean, everyone's sort of, I think, rolling to catch up. Um, I think right now we're in this mushy area where people are kind of catching up and I think there's there's the science, the logistics, and the emotion, right? And and so, you know, if they're all aligned, that's fine. But let's say you've got a, a process already, like they already have. I think UC Denver already had all their protocols set for summer, and they're like, well, let's just not change it for now. Let's yeah. just keep it simple. Um, but I think they're all we're all moving towards. If you're vaccinated, no masks. We're a different animal, too, in the summer than those other institutions. I, I, th I think we have way more students on campus, right? But we still only have, what did you say, like 40 or 50 for the May semester? Yeah, but um, that'll yeah. be more once we get into the actual right. summer semester. Right. But, I, I mean, I was uh, uh, Michelle Marks was talking about they don't have that many folks on campus. No, really? Yeah. I don't, I don't have, the, I don't have the, the latest on all that. It's different for us. But, uh, but, but you, look, you know, they're opening up that big dorm, too. So ugh, that, they have, they're going to have to have protocols for that. For that. Maybe. Let's close. Uh, let, let's end this part of the conversation. I just want to say to folks, because it came up this morning in the RSR, I think, you know, practice that personal and individual responsibility. If you don't feel safe, continue to wear your mask. Yeah, it's sure. completely fine. You know, Absolutely. We do it at the grocery store. You go to the bar, people still walk in there with it. When we got my haircut, I had to have my mask yeah, on. Yeah, we're in this mushy area where, you know, the CDC says one thing, but, you know, if a business still wants to require a mask, mm -hmm. you put your mask on. We all carry it around in our pocket. Yeah. I'm not wearing it on campus, but, you know, I always have it with me in case, you know, the 7-Eleven says mask required. Mm -hmm. And I think we're going to be in that phase for a few more months, presuming the trajectory continues to be positive. Yeah, yeah. Go out, get your vaccine, everybody understand perhaps that it's not convenient for everybody but it's getting more convenient and you can you know go to the local walgreens and grab your vaccine they're okay. everywhere now walk into the fifth street garage absolutely steve would want us to say that let's talk about exemptions um yeah, exemptions. I, I would assume by the time that this comes out uh uh might still be working on the faculty and staff exemption process let's just talk nuts and bolts for now what's going on with the student exemption well, under Colorado law, anyone who wants an exemption can get an exemption. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure some of the listeners are like, well, then why would you mandate it at all? Mm -hmm. Well, to make the point that it, it's going to be a lot safer campus yeah. if people are vaccinated. Yeah. Okay, number one. Number two, if you mandate it and people have to apply for an exemption, then we know um, that you have accepted the protocols. You know, so we're, we're, That's a great point. Right? We're yeah. working on... You know, it's like when you decide to go fly on an airplane and they say, do you agree to wear a mask? Yes. Do you agree this? Do you agree that? You mm -hmm. say yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Because that's their prerogative as a company, you know. Um, so what we're going to do here is say if you're, if you're vaccinated, fine. If you're not vaccinated, we may have to ask you to wear a mask. We may have to quarantine you if there's an outbreak because you're the ones that are vulnerable. Yep. Um, it's our may, responsibility to do that. Right. right. And we may have to test you. And so if you're cool with all that, mm -hmm. because this is a c complex organization where people are packed into small areas, if you're cool with that, then fine. You yeah. can have an exemption. Yeah. So um, that information has been sent out. If you're a student listening to this, please do fill out that exemption process. Whether or not you want one, that's the kind of thing. Yeah. If you've been vaccinated, we still need you to fill it out because yeah. it's important for us as an institution of higher education, not to track your data per se, but we kind of have this public health responsibility, I would argue, to right. and keep you our know, campus this is as safe as possible. Also, we, 
we have uh, sort of an informal survey that we put out to faculty and staff that indicates we could have uh, already up to 80 to 95 percent of our faculty and staff are vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So that's super awesome because we can, and then we also know um, that we have about 60 percent of our students that are vaccinated, and that number keeps going up. So between 60% of our students and 90% of our faculty and staff, mm -hmm. we, we're darn close to herd immunity. Yeah. But we have to know what the numbers are in order to be able to continue to uh, adjust our protocols in a safe way. That's I think, all. and people, when they hear that 60%, I would assume there might be some anxiety experience, but I, I think it's important for us to remember the timeline here. 60% of our students are now vaccinated less than, what, six weeks, two months since they were able yes. to? Speedy. We have two more months to get that number way up. Right. Oh, and that's another point, July 1st. Yeah. July 1st is a great aim point. Really, if you want to come back to this campus in the fall and not have to wear a mask and not have to socially distance, then get vaccinated. Start your process at least by July 1st because mm -hmm. you have to have two shots mm -hmm. before classes start. So July 1st. Before I ask you to have some closing comments here, I do want to give a shout out to Sharon Lawrence and Larry Sampler. Sharon in particular has done such a good job of explaining our, our filtration system and what's going on on campus. I mean, people are, folks are worried about um, what's going on in the air, right? This is an airborne virus. Mm -hmm. But I think, I mean, it's pretty impressive what, what AHAC has been able to do with our facilities to yeah. make sure that that stuff just isn't floating in the air as best they can, right? As best it's as, 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 as engineering no, it's true. possible. I mean, the, those, those HIPAA filters mm -hmm. or whatever they're called. Yeah. The they're, MERV uh, The MERV, yeah. I don't know what the MERV is. That's interesting, is. right? The, that's actually, if folks are wondering, why don't we have HIPAA? Well, the MERV actually is just as effective as that, but our massive they're, they're, uh, air blowers cannot, they will collapse a HIPAA filter. Like they will, oh. yeah, it, oh, is yeah. That what she said? The, yeah, well, yeah, like the ones that. that you have in most yeah, large yeah. Inst large places like this, yeah. it will just, yeah, it will literally collapse the filter, then it won't do anything. I, I like thinking that our air is a lot more, you know, filtered than it used to be. Yeah, I know. It really does feel like fresher. <laughs> it does. Yes, yeah. and plenty of uh, uh, um, the surface cleaning will happen in. in I would be remiss if I didn't tell folks that those cleaning kits are available. You can contact Sharon Lawrence to get those. And I think most departments are probably getting their kits together yeah. and getting prepared. We knew that was all based on in the beginning where we weren't sure whether this is, you know, on we're cleaning our groceries or we're cleaning our groceries and all that. So you don't have to do that as much. But, you know, people have just gotten a lot better with basic hygiene mm -hmm. and, you know, not touching their face and wiping, washing their hands and all that stuff, even though the primary method for this to spread is... Um, in the air, people are not getting sick as much. Maybe we shouldn't have ever sneezed on people, you know? Like, that's yeah. the kind of Please thing. Please don't sneeze on me, Sam. No, I know, but I mean, seriously, just, <laughs> I, I, I probably will wear a mask if I'm sick in the future, just because it's kind of rude if you, if you don't, you know? Don't spread I your germs. So you, uh, you've said a couple of, of really fantastic things about self-care over the last couple of days. And I want to I want to ask you to close up our last interview here of, of the mm. spring semester uh, going into summer with with some positive encouragement for yeah. folks okay. this summer. Yeah, thanks for saying that. Well, in addition to getting vaccinated, I mean, it's really clear to me to all the senior leaders, just watching everybody walking around campus. You know, it's been a tough year. Mm -hmm. People are tired. Yeah. People are people are anxious. People are. Lots of things. People are optimistic, cautiously optimistic. I think you said you were cautiously optimistic. We asked people how they felt the other day. I'm tired. Yeah. I'll admit it. 
I'm darn tired. Yeah. This is a hard job, man. Yeah. Um, and it's been, a, it's been a crazy rough year. So things are looking up. All the things we just talked about, things are looking up. You're getting your life back. You're mm -hmm. getting, you may feel a little weird after a year, um, but take a break. Mm -hmm. Give yourself some grace, mm -hmm. some slack. Um, plan your vacation. It's my biggest thing. This is summer, you know, put it on the calendar. Three-day weekend is not enough. That's true. It's not. That's true. I don't know about you. I mean, you know, when you go on a vacation, it takes like five days before your brain starts to stop thinking yeah. about all this stupid stuff at work and everything. And then you will come back so much more refreshed. I mean, the, the research is pretty clear, you know, that you can burn out. And you know, there are a lot of people, I think, all over the country, I was reading, you know, the other day, People are jumping jobs, they're moving around, they, they've questioned all things about their lives, but sometimes you just need a break. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, I mean, I hope that there are certain <coughs> tools that we employ for the rest of our lives, like going for a walk at lunch for 30 minutes. You know, we get so wrapped up in our work and these damn teams and Zoom calls, they're always available and people can call us. Sometimes you just gotta get away. And that I means probably not listening to a podcast, sorry everybody. <laughs> But I mean, seriously, just go for a walk for 15 minutes without anything in your ears. And you, I would, we could talk about this. I, uh, uncertainty does terrible things to the human mind. It just does. Yeah. It exhausts us. It's part of us. It's, it's not just a human condition, right? It, it's, a, it's an animal condition. We always want to know, right? And we've complicated that because we're human beings. We have language, right? And things just, we're, we're not a tiger, right? We're not right. a goat. Like right. things, Who we've made our, to that, right? yes, we do. So we about, do. You know, at a university, we're, you know, up high on the Maslow scale. We're thinking about our self-actualization mm -hmm. and reading books. And now all of a sudden we're worried about, are we going to have enough toilet paper? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. And our, you know, it's so crazy. that's the kind of stuff we've been worried about all year. Everybody go take a break. I got to wrap this vacation. up. So. Ed doesn't have to run this next meeting by himself. Dr. Davidson, thank you so much. Uh, we will uh, we'll plan out more of these and keep folks informed over the summer. But um, enjoy the rest of your month, and uh, thank you. Thanks. All right, that's it. We got it. All right.